Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your faithfulness toward us. Father, we have come to hear not from man, but from you. And therefore, I pray, Lord, that you would animate everything about me, O Lord. My unworthiness to stand behind this pulpit. My unworthiness to speak your word. I confess that. It is not because of anything that is good in me, O Lord. It is because of what we are in you. Every promise in you. It is who we are in your Son is what matters and nothing that we have in our own selves, O Lord. Therefore, when we, we come to your word this, this evening, O Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our minds, over our hearts, and over our ears. Give us ears to hear and the willingness to obey and the hearts to love you and the willingness to obey you that will just not be hearers but doers. Come at each one of us who are here and everyone who is on the way into your hands. Speak to us this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Title this message, Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. This is in light of, of what we've been uh, looking at um, um, from last uh, Wednesday onwards. We, I mean, last, last Wednesday's message. We looked at this passage from Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, what it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's the reason why we, we said that. Lord, lift me up. And let me stand on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, lead me to a higher ground. This is, this is what we've been looking at. That's essentially, uh, today's message. A higher plane that we will stand there. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, of this world, this eon, against spiritual hosts of wickedness or evil in other translations, in the heavenly places. That is the reason why we put on this whole armor of God. What is that? Armor, we'll talk about that. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Twice, put on the whole armor. Take up the whole armor. Both. Put on and take and take up the whole armor of, of God, not your own ar- armor. This is the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That is what we were looking at last time. How to withstand on the day of evil. We looked at an aspect of it last time as to how do we do that. How do we respond to evil by doing good? The more evil abounds, the more more good we respond with. And good is not defined by what we think is good. Good is defined by what, what God says is good. 
Yeah. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You see that the word stand being reiterated over and over and over and over again. Why? Next verse. Stand therefore the fourth time having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one or the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So every aspect of the armor has been mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 6. And I thank Pastor Sundar Krishnan for uh, expounding very interestingly on this particular passage in three of his messages. He brought out a very interesting point, which I want to share. Now, when we look at this armor, moment we think about this armor, we think that Paul is trying to draw a parallel with the Roman soldier. Roman soldier had a helmet and a and a breastplate, and and a, he had a sword and shoes, etc., etc., etc. And so we very tend to draw a parallel, which could be true, but it is not completely true. It's only partially true. We tend to draw a parallel with a soldier, like like what we what, what so that is how we, we say, okay, let's put on this armor. So the question therefore is, what do you mean by putting on this armor is a question. We need to understand, what do you mean by this putting on this armor? So who put on the armor first? The question. Okay. Very interesting. You look at Isaiah. You'll see who put on this armor first. In Isaiah chapter 11 verse 5, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth about, about his waist. Who is this? This is Jesus upon whom the government is going to be resting upon and he's going to be anointed with the sevenfold spirit of the living God, the spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, spirit of understanding, spirit of truth. So all these sevenfold spirit and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, etc. But this is he who will wear righteousness as a belt and truth about his waist. This is Jesus who is putting this on for the first time. Continuing on in uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 15. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. You need to understand whenever Paul is writing any of his epistles, he has the complete Old Testament echoing in the back of his mind. And he's just literally drawing out from the reservoirs of the Old Testament to put on what is, to explain to us what it means to put on. This whole armor. He put on. Who put on? Jesus put on the whole uh, the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He had to put a helmet of salvation. So, uh, who put on the armor first? Jesus. Look at look at another another verse in Isaiah forty nine verse two. He made my mouth <laughs> like a sharp sword. And what is a sword? The sword of the spirit is the very word of God. And therefore, he says that he made his mouth. Like a sharp sword. And if you look at Revelation chapter 19, it says, out of his mouth came a sharp sword, which was called the word of God. That is Jesus himself. So he wore righteousness as a uh, as a belt and truth about his waist. He put on the righteousness as breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. So he had the word of God in his mouth. 
So he had the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse, chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things. Who is this? This is, who is the first him who brought the good things? This is Jesus himself. So he had his feet shod with good news. He had the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He wore righteousness like a belt and truth about his waist. And therefore, when scripture says, put on the whole armor of God, and we know that, everything, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, but truth is what? Faith. So truth is what? Truth is essentially sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. My righteous shall live by faith and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is again the word of God. You're having your, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? All flesh is like grass and the glory of the field or the flower of the field as a flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever and this is the gospel that was preached to you through the word. You see? It's a gospel that was preached. It is the word of God. Shield of faith again the word of God. Helmet of salvation again the word of God and the sword of the spirit is again the word of God. So essentially what he's trying to say is who put on what when you put on so what does it mean? How will we be able to stand on the day of evil? By putting on the whole armor of God. In other words, clothing literally ourselves with the word of God. Literally being that the word will become flesh in our own lives. So how do we, how will we be able to stand on the day of evil? Put on the whole armor of God. And therefore, what does it mean to put on the whole armor of God? Putting on the armor means putting on Christ. Because he is the one who put it. You see. Very important to understand. So we don't have anything apart from what God gave us in Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You see, everything that we enjoy for life and godliness is found in him. Nothing else apart from him. Putting on the armor. I mean, it's like literally, how do you wear a shirt? You Put it close to you. This this language is there through the old uh, through the New Testament. Look at what it says in Romans chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Provision. When do you buy provisions? Today for tomorrow. <laughs> you make provisions. You think about tomorrow and today you make provision. That's what he's saying. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and don't think about how you'll you gratify the desires of your flesh that is tomorrow. <laughs> Literally. Don't think. Don't make no provision. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to Abraham. He had one provision called Hagar in the closet. Sarah, you have a problem, I don't have a problem. There is provision. From Egypt, Madam Hagar. You see, 
to gratify the desires of your flesh. This is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This language of putting on the armor implies putting on Christ, which essentially implies putting on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We need to understand a little more detail what, it, what this means. This language doesn't stop here. This language continues in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. And you put on the new man. You see that? Which was created according to God in true righteousness and in holiness. Put on. Shirt is there. I take the shirt. I put on. Something which I have to do. I I just don't say like this and automatically the shirt comes on me. No, no, it doesn't happen. I need to put on. For that, Colossians will say, put away and put on. It's an action. That is the reason why God so loved the world that he gave his only son for whosoever believeth is what you say, goes on believing in him. You see? It's a present continuous. It's an action which was created according to God in righteousness and in holiness. Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Same language. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Who created him? He. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we? By the way, who can put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Does does everybody have the right to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? No, 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 no. In him was the light, and the light was the life of men. In him was life rather. In him was life and the life was light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness does not overcome it or does not comprehend it. The true light which lights every man was coming into the world. He made the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him but the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, those who, what, believed in his name, he gave them the Right, you see, to be the children of God. There is an action. You receive the word of God and you believe it. That means what? You have a equivalent action when you receive the word of God. Faith without works is dead. How does it go? James chapter 2 verse 23 will say, As the body is dead without the spirit, so that faith without works is dead. Literally, the work is essentially the spirit which, rather the faith is the one which guides your work. It shows in your action. It's a verb, belief. And faith comes from the same Greek word. Pistis is faith. Pistoa is to believe. It's verb. It's a verb form. Same root word. So how do we get this right? How do we get this? We don't earn it by our own self. Who does it for us? Look at what it says. In First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. <clears throat> but of whom? Of him. Of him who is him? But of God, you are in Christ Jesus. You did not do it yourself. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is the one who did it. He took us literally and put us into him by his own will. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. Let's read the first two words. Let's let's see that everybody. But... God. Stop there. 
It is who? It is not us, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when he were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved, not of works. You know that verse. And you and raised us, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. He is the one who did it. So we don't have a right to put on Jesus Christ unless we are born again. That's what it means. That is the reason why it's such an incredible experience to be born again. That's what he tells Nicodemus. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is shaking his head and he says, Nicodemus, if I tell you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I told you of what? Heavenly things. What do you mean earthly things? What The fundamentals that you need to be born again to enter into the kingdom of God and to see the power of the kingdom of God, to be able to have the right to put on the whole armor of God. If you do not, if I tell you that you have to be born again first in order to enjoy that right, if you don't believe, if I told you of earthly things, how will you believe if I told you of heavenly things? That's exactly what Paul tells uh, not Paul, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews chapter 5, by this time you have to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you the elementary principles, still earthly things, the fundamentals, the basics. And you still haven't gone, grown up to maturity. So, this is he who put us in Christ Jesus. And we. the question is, the point here is, after he puts us in Christ Jesus, what does he also give us? The ability to abide in him. That's what John's gospel chapter 15 will say. We looked at that last time. We don't go there. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you ask from the father, he will do it unto you. Unless you abide in me, you shall not be able to bear fruit. And if you do not bear fruit, I will cast you away as a branch. Meaning, it is something which we have to consciously do to continue to remain in Christ Jesus. So what are those things that we need to do? Let me put on the fan. What are the things that we need to do? Let us let us look at what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Romans chapter 13. See, there is one way to interpret scripture. Uh, I learned it from another JP. Not junior pastor, but John Piper. Okay. That's <laughs> John Piper has a very interesting way to way to interpret scripture. You know, you know what he says? It's, it's called interpreting scripture in concentric circles. Okay. How do you, what do you mean by that? First, you read a particular passage in scripture. Okay. And then, oh, you didn't understand it? Read it in context, meaning read two verses above, two verses below. Make the circle large. Okay. You didn't understand it or you understood it, but you not, not completely read the whole chapter. Okay, you didn't, you didn't get the complete revelation, read the whole epistle. You didn't read the whole New Testament and read the whole Bible. <laughs> it's called moving in concentric circles. You see, I like that pattern, okay. So, and trying to apply this, what does it mean? What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean? So let us read it in context. Let us expand the circle a little bit from Romans chapter 13 verse 12 onwards. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Oh boy. It's time to get up from your sleep. (laughs) To brush your teeth. To get yourself ready and eat your breakfast and on your way to work. 
What do you mean people are not working? Oh, are they not doing research? Doing night and day? They are doing research night and day. Are they not working in your offices night and day? Oh yeah, they are, do- they are doing it. Deadlines, brother. They are not sleeping. What are you talking about? No, they are asleep. You don't understand that. It's a spiritual sleep. Look at what he says. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us what? Let us read that together. Put on what? The armor of light. Oh. So what do you mean by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ? Put on the, why is it called the armor of light? Why is this not called light? Let us put on light. Why does it not say that? Let's try to understand what it means. Let's next verse. Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Three categories. Substance abuse, sexual abuse, or relational abuse. Three abuses mentioned, okay. We'll not go into the details of that, but you see that. That's what it means. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So these two things go together. Putting on the armor of light and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a intimate connection between the two. Romans chapter 13. So let us expand the circle a little bit more. Let us go to the New Testament. Where else the same author Paul wrote about light. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. For at one time you were in what? Not in darkness, you were darkness. <laughs> There's a difference. You were darkness, meaning what? You were of the darkness. You were, your composition was darkness. Everything about you was darkness. Now you are what? You are not in the light. You are light where? In the Lord. You see that? You see that, you see that, that's what we call as proposition, you see. One of the things that I'm learning to read these days is to learn to read scripture carefully, keeping in mind every proposition. For other, when you read scripture carefully, you will see some interesting revelations that you will skip when you, when you want to take off the chapter for the day. Remember, when Jesus goes into the temple, after he uh, feeds, I'm sorry, after he converts the water into wine, right? He goes to the temple, what does he do? He makes a cord of whips and he change, chases out the money changers, the people who sold oxen, the people who sold sheep and the people who sold doves. And then what does he say? This is my father's house and you have made it into a place of not den of thieves, a place of merchandise. Den of thieves is in Matthew. See, that's what, you got confused. Okay. No, you've made this a place of merchandise, but to whom does he say it? Oh, does he say it? Tell, tell, tell it to the, all the money changers? No. Does he say it to the people who are selling sheep? No. Does he say that to people who are selling ox? No. You know whom he tells that to? He tells the people who are selling doves. He says, you have made my house into a place of merchandise. You are, because doves are for the poorest of people and you are even exploiting the poorest of people. And today I found that out when I was reading scripture carefully. Slowly, carefully. Every proposition, whenever you see the word for in the New Testament, stop. What should you do? Stop and say, why did he say for? 
Because there are several forces preceding it and several forces succeeding it. Stop. See every proposition. Don't just be tertiary and superficial readers of the word of God. That's like, uh, like uh, Abel was saying, enjoy and love it and say, Lord, this is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, I love the word, chapter, chapter 6 in John's Gospel. I was sharing that in the, in the Tuesday Bible study. I want to read John's Gospel chapter 6. I want to really understand it. Why? Because people wanted bread. He said, I am the bread. Why? Why? It is God who fed them bread. And then he says, I am the bread. Why did he say that? Did God give us grain? Yes. Did God give us the intelligence to crush the grain? Yes. Did God give us a skill to knead the grain? Yes. Did God give us a skill to bake the bread into different format? Yes. All this he gave to us to Prove to us that bread does not satisfy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So be very careful. Read scripture carefully. This is the word of God and I want to grasp every detail of it. Okay. So, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What, what do you mean? Children of light. That means children who are born of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in the in secret. Going on to say, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. You see the same, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. You see that same language going on here? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Two observations. What does it mean by exposing the unfruitful works of darkness? It is a shame for those things to be done in secret. What does it mean? What are two observations I want to make in this? Both you will know in your own life for sure. First observation, don't ever underestimate our capacity to hide our true nature. Don't ever underestimate that. Oh, it doesn't matter how (laughs) mature you are in the Lord, an element to hide our true nature is always there. That capacity. Second observation, and this came home to me in such incredible ways that I never even thought would have happened. Okay, the next one. Don't ever underestimate our capacity to justify and excuse our sin and disobedience. Don't ever underestimate that. How do I know this? Once I got married and had two children, I enrolled myself in the University of Abigail. She doesn't know it. But children will teach you incredible truths. And this happened two days back. First, my, one of my jobs, my job disposition as a, as a, a job description as a father is to give the girls a shower in the morning and get them ready to school. So what do I do? I empty the cold water from the bathtub. They have a tub, small bathtub. I empty the cold water and put it away and then I fill it with hot water. So emptied the cold water, put it away 
And I put it on the floor. Abigail was just next to me. I looked at the tub. It's a white tub. Okay, it's quite nice white tub. And I saw two small footprints on it. Black footprints. I looked at Abigail. I looked at the footprints. I said, did you do that? And the words that came out of her mouth stunned me. Stunned me. Just observe the vocabulary, okay? I'm not joking. Did you do that, Abigail? That was not my idea. What did I ask her? Did you do that? That was not my idea. It was her idea. She said, she said, let us put our feet in the tub and wash our feet clean with hot water. That was her idea. I said, so you did that, right? No. It was her idea and so I put it. No, think about it. No, think, 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 think. I just, I was, I I was, first of all, when I heard that statement, I was completely shocked. It's complete, I mean, it, it reveals something about my own heart. I mean, what does it mean? What do you mean? Like, you know, think about it, no? If it were an adult who told that to me, I would look at her. See, I'm a PhD in robotics, okay? <laughs> Don't you think I'm going to see through your stupid argument? Do you think that I'm stupid? I'm so stupid that you can, that you can give me this interesting uh, explanation and I'm going to buy it. Just, just extrapolate that with God. You do something. Adam, did you eat? That was not my idea. That was not my idea. What do you mean, Adam? You're trying to give me an argument and expecting me to buy it? What do you think of me? That is the reason why scripture is so, what do you call, strong on these things about hiding our sin. You see, it says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, we all know this word, but understand this in this light. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. But if we claim that it is not our idea, Lord, you're stupid. You're a liar. That's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, that scares me. I'm like, oh, looked at her. I said, boy, University of Abigail teaches you so much, so many things about your own heart. Children will teach you. Look at the language. That was not my idea. How did you get that vocabulary? It's there inside of your heart. In each one of us to justify the incredible capacity to hide our true nature. 
And when we do it consistently, constantly on a regular basis, what happens? That is what we were looking at in Hebrews chapter 3, right? We increasingly get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and eventually end up with an evil heart of unbelief. We end up that way. It happens. And that's, that's the reason why I love Jacob. Finally, he's wrestling with God. I mean, this was not a wrestling, physical wrestling match. You know what it was in Hosea chapter 12 will say, he was pleading for mercy before God and he was wrestling in prayer, pleading for mercy. And he was saying, Lord, yes, 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 Lord, I'm Jacob, I'm Jacob, I'm Jacob, I'm Jacob. I'm a supplanter, I'm a deceiver. It's there inside of each one of us at different levels. Isn't it? Yeah? Is, is it not there? I mean, think about the times of confrontation you had with a pastor. Or with your boss. How much of it were you transparent about? You see. Think about it. That is the reason why when Ananias and Safira came and said, take our offering. Peter, he said, stop. Is that all? It is all. How did Satan tempt you to lie to not me, to God? Do you think God is going to be fooled by this gesture? What do you think about God? That is the reason why in Psalm 50 will say, you slandered against your own mother's son and I kept quiet. And you thought that I was just like you. You thought I was just like you. Oh boy. This is the reason why it says, This is the truth that we have, this is the message that we have declared from the beginning that God is what? What? Light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Look at what it says. If we claim that we have not sinners, we are calling God a liar. Look at that. Showing that his word has no place in us. <laughs> I like that rendering in the ESV. It says, in NKGV it says, his truth is not in us. Look at what it says in ESV. Showing by doing this, we show that Lord, we are actually not interested in your word. In other words, we are saying, Lord, what you say, you don't mean. You don't mean what you say. That's exactly what Satan said. Right from the beginning. Has God really said? He didn't mean what he said. He didn't mean what he said. So careful. All of us, all of us at different levels. Don't make it a habit to lie to God. That's the scariest thing, right? Scary. Because two people it's mentioned who will be outside in the lake of fire. First is the who? The fearful or the cowardly. And the last is all liars. I don't know why it says just, I don't, I don't, I don't know why it says all liars and just not liars. All kinds of liars. Every kind. Big liar, small liar, every kind of a liar. It was a small lie I made. That is the reason why I'm, I want to ask us, ourselves this question. Now when we do something we know is wrong, does it, does our Holy, does the Holy Spirit convict our conscience? Do we get disturbed? How sensitive is your conscience? Is a question. Okay, so this is our attitude toward God, by the way. Putting on the armor of light, meaning and walking in light, essentially means that 
we walk in the light of who God is. You see, that is the reason why it says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But this is the condemnation that light came into the world, but the world loved darkness than light because their deeds were evil. But whoever loves the light or truth comes into the light so that they may show themselves that their works are done where in God. See? Very important, very, very important for us to really grasp this, 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 um, um, truth. And James will say, right? I love that word, James, James, he says, every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights. <laughs> I love that. Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning, no parallax error. Some of you are guilty of it, parallax error, right? When I gave you the, forms to sign. Instead of signing against your name, you signed against somebody else's name. God doesn't do all those things. Because there was parallax error. God says, I know exactly, precisely I know. Absolutely precisely. My measurements are infinitesimally accurate. I'm not infinitely holy, but I'm infinitesimally accurate, you see. Alright, so that is our attitude over God. So, how do we know? The evidence of the fact that we are walking in the light is always shown. I said, right, do you always have an action? Like, body without the spirit is dead. Faith without works is dead. So, what is the evidence of the fact that we are walking in the light? You'll see the language, the same language. As I, as I said, we are moving in concentric circles from that figure. So, we looked at Romans, the immediate context, and we looked at another writing of Apostle Paul, and we are going to look at another guy who wrote another epistle. But the same spirit, I love that, I love that, same spirit through different writers. See, I was, somebody was telling this, no, if you have, let's say I'm a boss and if I have six personal assistants and I ask them and I dictate the letter to them, how will they write it? Everybody writes the same letter and they post it out, everybody gets the same copy. But it's not like that with God. The same spirit using the personality of the author and expressing himself in different ways. So look at what 1 John chapter 2 verse 8. John is, I mean somebody said John is like a, like a honeybee looking at a flower. He just looks at the flower in different, different directions. Okay, it's not very easy to wrap our mind around him. Paul is logical for, 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 for. Got it, no? Next. For, 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 for. Got it, no? It's not like that with John. John is like looking at the same flower in different, different directions and he says, find out now. Paul, that is the reason why he wrote 13. I wrote only 3. That's what he means. Okay. Let's move on. So 1 John chapter 2 verse 8. Look at what he says. At the same time, it is a new commandment. I said, there is a relationship with God. And there is an outworking of it. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him. Which is true in Him and in you. Those who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but where? In the Spirit. How do you know that you are in the Spirit? If the Spirit of God is in you, you see. John's Gospel chapter, sorry, Romans chapter 8 verse 9. 
You're not on the flesh, but you're in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God is in you, and if anyone does not, be, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And he goes on. But look at this. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. So how do we know that we are walking in light? Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. See? Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause of stumbling or for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So, what does it mean? So we'll see that another place in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 where he says, where he says, put on the new man. <clears throat> Look at what he says. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. How is it created? In the likeness of God. How do we know this? Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 will say, we all with what faces? Unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this happens by the Spirit who is the Lord. You see? And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is the evidence that you put on? Look at the next verse, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. What do you mean by speaking the truth to your neighbor? It does not mean, come, 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 I'll tell you something about that brother. That is true. No, 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 no. It does not mean that. What does it mean to speak the truth with each other means to be true with one another. You got that? To be true with one another. Look at this. Look at what another author will say. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, 1 to 3. I like this translation. ESV. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. When you read this, do you stop? What do you mean by this, Lord? What is all malice? And all deceit? Hypocrisy? And envy? And all slander? Why so many alls? All malice. What is malice? The intent to hurt someone. Word comes from kakia, which is a root word for kakos, which is evil again. All malice, an evil intention and a desire to hurt others is malice. But how does it get manifested? In two ways. Inward and outward. How does it go? First inward. How? All deceit and hypocrisy. Showing to people what you are not spiritually. And that hurts other people. Do you know that? I'm seeing several people like that, no? They show to people that are very spiritual, very religious, very loving, etc., etc. And when you go to them for counsel, they give counsel exactly opposite to the word of God. And they destroy lives. 
showing to people what you are not. That hurts the other person. In other words, if it is not in your sphere of influence, don't pretend that you know it. Simple. I mean, I, I, I like that, no? Everyone has a measure of faith. Let everyone prophesy according to the measure of faith. Meaning, if you are in 10th uh, standard, don't pretend that you are in B.Tech. Simple. If you are in and we used to do all that when we were kids. I'm telling you honestly. You know how what, what we used to do? I was in 8th standard. But in my library, I will have a book. I.E. Iridov, Concepts in Physics. For which level is that? Oh, that is for IIT level. Which class are you? 8th class. Oh, you're doing that. Very intelligent. Very, very intelligent. I just have a book. I never opened it. See, a lot of people are like that. Their measure of faith is 10th. But they pretend as if they have got PhD level knowledge. I am afraid to give counsel to people. Because of the truths that I know. <laughs> Not because of you. I said, Lord, is this first in my sphere of influence? Do I know anything about this? Have I given the other person... Uh, a disposition that I know. <laughs> Humbly I will say, Baba, I don't know. Go to the other person. I don't want to destroy you. Lot of people are like that. Brother, I will pray for you. Don't. Please don't pray. Send to people who know, who know better. Humble yourself. Don't show things that you are not. Don't have books which are beyond your age. Don't pretend. That is what is hypocrisy, you see. I used to do that. <laughs> Unbelievable things when I was a kid I used to do. I used to travel in the train. I used to solve problems. Everybody seeing me. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Intelligent fellow. Go pinch You see? Don't show. Be your level. That is intent inside. Things that you are not, don't have to pretend. You will save a lot of trouble for yourself and for others. <laughs> Especially for others. If you do not deal with that, all malice starts with inward, then it expresses itself in the outward as what? Envy and slander. Why? Why am I envious and slandered and I speak slander about others? Frustration with my own self leads to envy when good things happen to other people and not able to rejoice. You see, for example, when your boss comes, yes sir, uh, the problem is almost solved. Uh, tomorrow, See, you can pretend, see, somebody said, right, you can fool some people sometime, you can fool all the people sometime, but you can not fool all the people all the time. And the day of appraisal will come. People who really worked will get a promotion, but those who pretend 
will be envious. You are not happy when somebody gets promotion. Frustration with their own self. I'm telling you, mediocrity thrives in an environment of hypocrisy. <laughs> I just put the lot of something there. I don't know how I got it. <laughs> mediocrity thrives in an environment of hypocrisy. Frustration with my own self and therefore I'm not able to lead. I'm not able to rejoice with another brother's success. You know why? Because I'm frustrated and I've been pretending and pretending. Lord says, stop pretending. If you do well, will you not be accepted? You see? And you have not dealt with that. You have not dealt with that aspect of it and therefore you're not able to rejoice when your brother is accepted and you're not. You see? But how do we get rid of this therefore? How do we get rid of this? What do you mean by therefore putting on this breast or putting on the Lord Jesus Christ? Therefore, he says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. I mean, I, I really understand. I mean, incredible, no? Envy, jealousy are all lower level sins. You don't need strong meat to overcome them. You only need milk. That's what it means. I don't know. Boy. Anyway. That, that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you will never be envious of another person. You see, content. Have you tasted that the Lord is good to you? Have you tasted that the Lord is merciful and good to you and that the goodness of God has led you to repentance? Or are you condemning and judging the other person? That is how we speak the truth to others by not pretending what we are not. Not pretending what we are not. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. I, I like that. John the Baptist. It says in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 19. This was the testimony of John when the Jews sent the Levites and the priests from Jerusalem. And this is what he confessed. He confessed and did not deny. What did he do? Let's say that. He confessed and did not deny. He confessed that he was not the Christ. What do you mean? He did not deny that he was not Christ. <laughs> Get that. <laughs> are you Christ? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Who are you? I am a voice in the wilderness asking everybody to make their path straight so that the coming of the Lord, because the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's all I am. I am not. I am not. And I am not ashamed of it. Boy, I love that. That is the reason why he is so beautifully able to say, Rabbi, 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 those people who heard you, they are following this man. I must decrease he must increase. First thing. Second, how do you put on? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Rajkumar Ramachandran, the Iyer converted Christian. This is what he said. I loved this one-liner. Everybody read this. Don't read Rajkumar Ramachandran. Okay? Let's read that together, the quotation. Bitterness and anger. See, read that. Bitterness and anger is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. 
bitterness and anger is like drinking poison and expecting. You're drinking poison, you're expecting your enemy to die. To die. I mean, we, our poets are so brilliant, no? Our poets, sister, our guilty poets. Tanakopame, Tanasatru, Tanasantame, Tanakuraksha, Dayachuttambau. Tanasantoshame, Tanaswargamu, Tanakopame, Narakamandru, Tadhyamu Sumati. Sumati, oh, good brain fellow. Rational mind fellow. Don't you realize that your anger is your worst enemy? Bitterness. And these people understood it. Bitterness and anger is like drinking poison and expecting an enemy to die. So you are angry with your spouse, let's say, and you're drinking and drinking and drinking and he's nothing happening, nothing is happening to him. And in the process you're dying. You're withering away in bitterness, bitterness. That's exactly what happened to Ahitophel. He was drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking bitterness and expecting David to die. Know this truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Forgive, Baba. Forgive. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. The antidote. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another as Christ. Read that please. As Christ. As God. In Christ. Forgive you. (laughs) You see that? Put on Christ. How did you get there? He put us there. So don't get out of there. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as Christ, as God in Christ. That is what he does. Lord, I'm angry with you. 711. Psalm 711. God is angry every day with the sinners. Every day. But how is he going to satisfy his wrath? That's what it says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 1. It says, my dear brothers, my children, my little children, I have written these things to you that you may not sin. But if you do sin, there is an advocate for us in heavens, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Propitiation. He satisfied the wrath of God. He gave it all for us. And therefore, God in Christ forgives you. So if you have received forgiveness... Will you forgive? And when you forgive, you put on. You put on. Next verse. Let the thief (laughs) not steal, not no steal, no longer steal. Okay. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. I love that. You see that? I told you, right? Mediocrity thrives in an environment of hypocrisy. Let the thief no longer steal and if you are not giving your day's labor to your company, you are stealing. So you are stealing from your company. If you said that you are going to come by so and so time and you ended up one hour late, you stole somebody else's time for which he was planning several other things and because of you. You see. Doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. What does it mean? Don't be a sucker, be a giver. Simple. (laughs) This is simple language. 
Okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 10 onwards. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you brothers and sisters to do so more and more. Don't just stop once. And to make it your ambition. What should you do? Make it your ambition. Can you do that please? This is not my commandment. It is God through Paul giving us a commandment to make it ambition to do what? To lead a quiet life. To mind our own business in other words. Next verse. That's what it says. You should mind your own business. It's like husband, sorry, wives submit to your own husbands. Mind your own business. Okay. And work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent upon anybody. You see that? Don't be a sucker, be a giver. That's what it means. Another verse. How do you put on Christ? Let no corrupt talking come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up. I love this. As fits the occasion. <laughs> Let's love that. <laughs> that it may give grace to those who hear. In other words, in a funeral, don't celebrate. And don't crack jokes, etc., etc., etc. Soberity. You see that? I mean, I'm learning these things have not arrived. So don't, don't, don't think that I'm just bombarding you with these truths. This is something which convicted me and therefore I'm sharing it with you. So look at Jesus. No, we, we said that he was the, when we put on Christ, we actually put on his attitude. He says, let this mind be in you. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. First Peter chapter four, verse one. Second Peter, first, for Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 or uh, sorry, uh, verse 5 if I'm right. It says, let this mind be in you. What is this mind? Look at it, verse, Isaiah 50 verse 4. The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple, the learned, that I might show, that I might, that I should, uh, that, that I should not, sorry, that I should know how to speak a word, what? In season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learner. Do you see that? Every day I practice the word over and over and over and over again. And this is one word which has challenged me. Romans chapter 15 verse 18. You can write it in your own Bibles. Romans chapter 15 verse 18. It says, I dare not speak of anything except those things that Christ has wrought inside of me. powerful. I dare not speak anything except those things which the which Christ has wrought inside of me. God has taught me, he has taught me and he has enabled me to live that out in a measure and therefore I'm speaking that out and I'm speaking that in season. I'm knowing exactly how to speak, where to speak. It's a sword of the spirit, the word of God. To the occasion, I know exactly what word to speak for the occasion. I'm not just going off in different tangents. This is maturity, okay? This is spiritual maturity. Let's move on. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. 
So then what happened? Because he did not do that. You know what happened? Because the way he lived his life, hearing morning by morning, the verse 6 is so powerful. It says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from the sh- from shame and spitting because the Lord prepared me. I never reviled back. All that came out of my mouth when I was hanging on the cross, the first word, no bitterness, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Got it? This is what it means to put on Christ. Putting on the whole armor of God. You see, this is an attitude. This is an attitude of the mind. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 or 22. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, in the attitude of, of your mind, and do not be conformed to your former lusts of your ignorance. Attitude of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Of your bodies as a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you make no provision for the flesh. In, in literally, you say the Lord, the word became what? Verse 14, John's Gospel chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his what? We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of God, full of grace and full of truth. He was full of grace and full of truth and therefore verse 16 will say, and out of his fullness we all All received what? Grace upon grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see that? He was full of grace and full of truth. And that is the reason why he says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. What is your heart full of? If it is grace, if you're no longer under law, but under grace, what does it say? Romans Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore, therefore, now, you can stop, start now with no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. There is an incredibly different law. There's a grace to say no. There's a grace to love others. The grace to forgive. We don't have to do it on our own. It is God out of his fullness who gives us grace and truth. But grace he gives to the who? To the humble. I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And now when we do that, we beheld his glory and we are being transformed into his image. Moment by moment, increment by increment. And you see, it is so easy for us to get get angry. One wrong word from somebody, it's enough to trip us. It's enough to trip us. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. I hope you understood what it means. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ and to give no provision for the flesh. Shall we stop here and shall we pray? Father, we have understood in some measure, O Lord. We have not understood completely in some measure what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, give us grace to obey. Give us grace to obey what we have heard. Give us grace to obey what we have heard. That we will continue, O oh Lord Jesus, to do good, to resist the devil, and to submit to God every day of our life. And when he sees us, he sees men, brothers and sisters, men and women who are clothed with light, who have put on the armor of light, and the darkness has to flee 
light. Thank you, Father. The darkness will not be able to overcome it, O Lord, because in you was life and that life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness will not be able to overcome it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us the power to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. Father, enable us, Lord Father, to believe, just not to be hearers, to be able to go back home and to put to practice to put away slander, to put away all malice, to put away evil speaking and, and envy, O oh Lord, from our mouths and to desire as newborn infants the pure and sincere milk of the word of God so that we might be able to grow in you and taste continuously that the Lord is good. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Come at each one of us into your hands. Be the blood of Jesus over our lives. Come at Pastor James into your hands, O Lord. Be with your servant even as he ministers, O Lord, Father. Anoint him afresh and be with him. Take him safely and bring him back home safely. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.